and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by the Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. The following sermon is by Dr. Danny Campbell, senior pastor at the Tabernacle, and was recorded during our Sunday morning service. To view the entirety of our service, please visit our Facebook page at The Tabernacle Family or our YouTube channel at The Tabernacle Today. Additional information about The Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles as we join Dr. Danny for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. And if you do not have a Bible, see me after the service. I'd love to give you a Bible. And I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version here today, uh, the first four verses of chapter 3. And if you don't know, you're newer to your Bible and don't know how to get to Colossians, remember, each Bible has a table of contents in the front. So go there and look up Colossians, and it'll tell you what page to go to, and then you'll be right along with us. And when we say Colossians 3, 1 through 4, we're saying it's going to be in the third chapter, as identified by the numbers there. And then verses 1 through 4, those are also numbered in your Bible for the sake of your reading. Well, as you're turning there, let me ask you this. Do you know what Merriam-Webster Dictionary's word of the year was in 2022? Does anybody know what that was? They made a big deal about it the last week of the year. It was the word gaslighting. And gaslighting is the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage. And so it's no secret to you guys that we live in a day of bold-faced lies, fake resumes, misinformation, fake news, conspiracy theories, Twitter trolls, and deep fakes. And last year, as people heard that word gaslighting and looked it up online, there was actually a 1,740% increase in the number of searches for that word. It became a word used a whole lot. The term itself comes from a play from 1938 that then was turned into a movie uh, by the same name in which a man was trying to make his wife believe that she was going insane. His activities in the attic that were nefarious caused the gas lights in the house to dim and when his wife would question him about it, why are the lights going up and down, he would insist they were not dimming and that she couldn't trust her own perceptions. And even when he he brought a buddy or two over to help uh, reinforce that for her, the lights would dim. And she'd say, didn't you see that? And everybody would say, see what? And so it wasn't just her husband. The others would say, we don't see it either. You know, as I thought about the word gaslighting and the ways modern people are gaslighting others to believe their lies and wrong and sinful things and call wrong and sinful things right, I thought about the best gaslighter of them all, who was also the first gaslighter, Satan himself, Right? And I think about how Satan as the serpent deceived Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. It was a masterful gaslighting job. He got her first to question what God had said and then to reject what God had said, that God really meant it when he said it, and then he got her to disobey God. So he said, did God really say, and he told one of the commands, did God really say don't eat from any tree in the garden? And of course he was misquoting scripture and she corrected him almost all the way accurately and stuff, but it showed a lack of care in getting it precisely right. Uh, God said, no, we can eat of any except the one, but when we eat of it, we'll die. And he said, you won't die. So there came the question of God's word before her. And then he made a suggestion to her. He said, well, God knows that if you partake, you're going to be like him. In other words, God's holding out on you. 
If you just do that sin, then you'll have knowledge God has and you'll be your own God. And really, that is the same battle in 2023 that we're all going to have this year, is whether we go with God's authority and what he said to us in his holy word, or if we want to be autonomous, the autonomy over our own life, the ruler of our own life. His lordship or ours, that's always the choice. And so uh, even Adam were... Uh, willing to hear this gaslighting, this temptation from Satan. And Satan went on, Eve, look at this choice through the lust of the eyes. And he suggested that to her. Eve, feel this choice through the lust of the flesh. Eve, think about this choice through pride. Be your own boss. And we know why he was tempting Eve. Adam was right there, silent Adam, not leading his uh, wife there. And they both made the choice together. She picked it and he agreed with it and it went on from there. And now all humans go through life. We inherit a sin nature from Adam and Eve. And early in life, we start making our own sinful choices. That's why we say we're sinners by nature and by choice. And whether we understand it or not, we're actually under Satan's dominion. Uh, One of the things that's tickled me over the years is talking to all the people. I'm my own man. I do what I want to do. And what they don't realize is, no, Bill, Bob Dylan was right when he sang, you've got to serve somebody. You're either serving God or you're serving the devil. And self-made men are Satan-made men and women. And uh, so the choice is between being under Satan's dominion, continuing in that that we've had coming into this world, or receiving the gospel offer and being transferred from Satan's dominion to the kingdom of Christ and him being our Lord and the one that we follow. By the way, I know Bob Dylan departed for years from that early profession of faith he had made. But my understanding is, as an older man now, he's back on track and singing uh, in his church and things like that. So good for old Bob Dylan. The uh, good uh, thing that was started is bearing fruit in his older age. Well, John 8, Jesus said this, You are of your father, the devil. For those that don't know Jesus, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning... And does not stand in the truth because there is zero, there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So Satan, as John 10 says, wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. A choice before us. Believe Satan's gaslighting, Satan's lies. Do what we want to do instead of what God wants and have those troubles or turn to Christ and have a different kind of trouble. Trouble for bearing his name in this world when people don't like him and don't want to live by his rule. But Satan's retirement plan is there's hell to pay. God's retirement plan is out of this world. So that's the bad news as far as Satan goes. But the first two chapters of Colossians, as we've been going through that these past few months, we've seen the good news. The Colossian believers, like many of you that have become believers, the Colossian believers had repented of their sins. They had turned to Jesus for salvation. And he had not only forgiven their sins, he had now freed them from Satan's dominion and transferred them to his kingdom to live under his rule. And the same is true of everyone in here today that follows Christ. You actually have been transferred out of Satan's prison. You've been transferred into the custody of the Lord. And he has a purpose and plan for you. And the good news is it's not just, oh, one tyrannical master for another. Jesus loves you so much. And he created you. And he died to redeem you. And when you do what he calls you to do in his word, it's always in your own best interest. It will always help bring the ideal you into being. 
And he guarantees that as he's begun that process, he'll see it through all the way. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He who has begun a good work in you, Paul wrote to the Philippians, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. And so the same thing is true of all of us here today who are in Christ. And as we start this year, we need to be reminded, Paul taught the Colossians that Jesus was their all-sufficient Savior. He's our all-sufficient Savior as well. You've received an all-sufficient salvation. You've got everything you need pertaining to life and godliness, everything you need to live for Jesus. Now, we still have an enemy who wants to gaslight us into believing and acting on his tired old lies. But Satan knows after you've turned to Christ, he can't have your soul anymore. What he wants to do is deceive you and distract you so you first won't experience peace and joy and the abundant life that he has for you to have. And then he doesn't want you to impact others he wants to distract you with all your idols and the things that, like the Israelites turn to, we turn to also. He wants to keep you from bringing others to heaven with you. But we really can, the scriptures assure us, increasingly say goodbye to Satan's gaslighting. Say goodbye, Satan's gaslighting. And hello to Christ's truth living. Colossians 3, look what it says. It says, if or since then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will be with him in glory. Goodbye, gaslighting. Hello, truth living. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Colossians chapter 3. Thank you for the truth that every believer here has already experienced a death, a burial, and a resurrection, and a guaranteed place in heaven. Lord, thank you that that was achieved not through what we do before or after salvation, but by what Christ did for us. That's truly something to celebrate at Christmas, at Easter time, all year long. And we're so thankful for that fact. Lord, we have a hard time accepting that as fact. It's so easy for us to have Satan create doubt in our minds through his gaslighting to convince us that what you say about us is not right and what he says about us is. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that this message will permeate every sense of their being, God. And 2023 will be the year of truth living, no longer giving in to Satan's gaslighting. Lord, for anybody that hears that message in this room or online that does not know you, they are still under Satan's kingdom and dominion. And so their father is a liar and they lie too. It's just their nature to sin. Lord, thank you for the believer that's been eradicated, Lord God, that control that that sin nature had. Now that sin nature is still around, but we thank you that the resources you give us in Christ are more than adequate to fight now, experience increasing victory, and to experience total victory when we're with you in glory. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you to get in on that today, Lord, so they can have eternal life with you, the beginning of an eternal relationship that will last forever and bear everlasting fruit. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Every year about this time, I like to do a New Year's uh, resolution message. And so usually I go away from the passage of the books that I'm in. This year it's Colossians. Uh, and I go ahead and uh, do a New Year's message. But I didn't have to change passages because the next one in Colossians is actually an ideal New Year's resolution passage. So I'm excited about that. Uh, because I want to encourage you to be a new you this new year. Somebody has already told me that's their desire this year. They want to be 
increase, uh, they want to increase their faith. They want to grow more in the Lord. They want this to be a year of increased service and all those different things. And the truth is that if you are a Christian, you are a new creation in Christ. Scripture says about you, the old things have passed away. All things have become new. And so it is great as we start the year to think in terms of walking in that newness of light. As we've already seen, Satan's going to gaslight you, but God will always tell you the truth. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go to a doctor that's going to lie to me. If I've got cancer, I want to start a chemotherapy and a radiation regime to get the cancer where it is and the uh, chemotherapy, get it before it goes around the body. Thank the Lord he tells us the truth even when it hurts about the sins in our life, our sinful condition. So he tells a non-Christian, you're lost, you need the Savior, you've got to stop it, you've got to humble yourself before the Lord and receive this salvation. You can't do anything to get it or keep it. And so thank the Lord for that. And to the sinning Christian, he says, look, this isn't what's best for you. You've got to call it what my word does. You've got to call it sin. We'll start the radiation right there. We'll get this thing forgiven and cleansed. And we'll do the chemotherapy of God's word to go ahead and do the rest from there. My ministry is to let the Spirit use the Bible to speak through me to get people to believe on Christ for salvation. But then for Christians, my ministry is to get them to reorder their identity around their faith in Jesus so you can be and I can be a faithful and fruitful follower of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're relentless when we preach the Word, to bring you right back to the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to take it off the page, into your head, into your heart, because God wants you I can say this to everybody here. God wants everybody here to be a faithful and fruitful follower of Jesus Christ. Faithful because you're applying his word in your life with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fruitful because you're doing the things that bear fruit as you do them, whether that's witnessing, serving, giving, etc., all those different things. If you're a believer, God says in today's passage that there really is a sense in which you died with Jesus on the cross... We're buried with Jesus in that tomb. We're raised back to life with Jesus and already dwell with Jesus in heaven. Let me say that again. If you are a believer, God says in today's passage that there really is a sense in which you've died with Jesus on that cross and that you were buried with Jesus in that tomb. You were raised back to life with Jesus when he rose the third day and you already dwell with Jesus in his heaven. Now, When God says that to you, he is not gaslighting you. He only tells you what is true about you and been recorded in the book of life. Who are you to argue with God about that? Who are you to go on believing deep down that God is gaslighting you, that it couldn't possibly be true? Jesus expects you to receive the words of Colossians 3, 1 through 4 about in a sense, you already being dead, you already being buried, you already being raised, you already having a reserved place in heaven. He expects you to take those truths that are now eternally true of you and to order your life now on those even as you keep on your journey to be with him. And you say, well, that couldn't be true. Surely I've got to do something to earn it, to keep it, etc. And of course, by faith, you want to do, you want to reorder your life. I had a great conversation with somebody this week, and they mentioned that verse in Philippians that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the good news is, work out doesn't mean work for your salvation. Work out your salvation does not mean work for your salvation. Because the next verse says, for it's God who is at work in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. So it starts with God's sovereign work in your life 
He works in through the new birth. Faith in Christ, you get the new birth. He is the only one who can work salvation in you. Your job is to work it out into your external circumstances in every area of your life. He works in, you work out what his salvation means for your giving. He works salvation in you, you work out what it means for your purity according to the word of God. He works in that salvation, giving you that reserved place in heaven. You work out what it means as you discover and use your spiritual gifts, as you reorder your life to be faithful in church and to meet with other believers and to serve him and win people to Jesus and all those different things. Who are you to argue with God? Jesus expects you to receive these words and reorder your life around them. Well, why don't you? Look again at the text here. The first point we're going to see in verse 3 is the believer's past death, burial, and resurrection with Christ has given them a guaranteed positional status as a saint of heaven. We'll go down to verse 3. It says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And one of the amazing things about this text and other texts like it is several times the Bible says that if you're a believer, you have already died. It says, You've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's here in verse 3. We already saw it in Colossians 2.20, which said we died with Christ to the world's basic way of doing things, the way the sinful, godless world does things. We, we now are on to God's ABCs and growing in the faith rather than the world's ABCs. Here's another one, 2 Timothy 2.11. He says, this saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. You say, okay, Danny, I died with Christ, but how can you say I was on the cross with Christ? I'm so glad you asked. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He was on that cross in your place. It was you and I that should have been there. He was there for us. So we were as good as there. And um, spiritually speaking, it was you there. He was sinless. He didn't need to be crucified as a criminal for for any sin that he ever did. It was Danny Campbell that was on that cross. It was you who were on that cross. I have been crucified with Christ. As to being buried with Christ and raised with Christ, we saw that back in Colossians 2.12. And every believer should get physically baptized to testify about the spiritual baptism that happened to them at salvation. So, Many of the world's religions have some kind of washing ceremony, and many times Christians think, oh yeah, getting baptized is kind of a spiritual bath. And there may be a little bit of the sense of cleansing in there, but the main thing is it's a picture of the gospel. The water and you going under it, it represents water going under it like you were drowning and dead, right? And when the preacher pulls you out of it, it represents God being your only hope of raising you up to eternal life and you being in heaven with him one day. So you're buried with Christ in baptism, we say that, and you live to walk in newness of life. You trust the preacher to get you out of the water. You're trusting Christ alone for eternal life and testifying to all before you of that case. Spiritually, there was a death of the old you that put yourself first, that wanted to glorify self, and there was a raising to life of a new you to follow Christ in his ways in your life. Now, the bad news is when you get this new nature, there is an old sin nature that's still around until this body dies. And it becomes the equivalent of a person carrying coals around with them. (laughs) And what happens with coals is fire is a great thing and fire is very useful. 
But when coals are with you, if you feed them, the fire will grow. And if you've ever managed a fire and put logs and things different on it, stuff like that, you can see it grow. It can grow out of control. And so the believer has to starve the old sinful impulses the same way you don't feed that fiery coals of the old nature. Because if you feed it in any way, it can get out of control in your life, right? And that God has, God has a useful way of using all things in your life. So yes, he's given the outlet of marriage for uh, sexuality. Um, men, a lot of men and women burn out of control with lust and don't do what the Bible says and do it other things. And, and it's like that fire out of control. And God get, has given an appropriate expression for all things. And in that case, it's marriage. But every believer should get physically baptized to testify about the spiritual baptism they experienced at salvation. That picture of the old me being positionally dead, now I've got new life in Christ. So it was an honor to be at uh, Brother Robert Motley's funeral and get to do that the other day. And uh, I saw something there um, that I don't remember ever seeing before. So I'm walking up to the graveside to do Brother Robert's service and the um, headstone said Abbott on it. And I knew that was his uh, dearly beloved wife's uh, maiden name. She's already in heaven and he's, now he's joined her there. But I saw Abbott on that side and I thought, what's up with this, you know? I went around to where I was to preach the service from and from this side, I saw Motley on this other side of the headstone. And I didn't realize that others have done that as well. I had never seen it before and, and it never, had never registered with me. So what happened was the Abbots and the Motleys went together and they got four plots for husband, wife, daughter, and husband with one headstone to serve them both. One this way and one that way. Because they're buried together now. All four of their bodies are buried together there, but now their spirits are living with Jesus in heaven. On one side of the headstone, it reads Danny Campbell. But on the other side of the headstone, it reads Jesus Christ. Those of you know that Rob, who know Robert Motley know that he finished his life well. For the last few years, there's been more of him in heaven wanting to be back with his beloved wife, Dorothy, than there has been down here, right? In his mind, sometimes he was already there. He was already there. And Jesus isn't in that grave. Jesus is in heaven. Positionally, I'm not in the grave either. I'm already with him. I've got the reserved place there. And you do too if you're his. Died with Christ, crucified with Christ, buried with Christ. But looking at it, verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. And that there is in the aorist tense. What that means is it is an action that is absolutely 100% completed with ongoing ramifications in your life. It's a timeless word. The action is completed. You have been raised with Christ. No matter how you as a believer feel, you can rest in Christ taking your soul with him up on the cross, down to the tomb, and up to glory. He's not gaslighting you. He's not misleading you. He's not telling you something that's not true. In his eyes, you are already there with him. Is that something to be glad about January 1st, 2023? That's better than the Rod Stewart song. You're in my heart, you're in my soul. You'll be my breath when I grow old. 
You'll be with me when your body's cold. Oh, I just threw that part in. Because <laughs> it is better. You'll be with me. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I love the way verse 3 says it. What does it say there? Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Folks, Satan can't steal your soul back. He can't even find it. It's hidden in Christ. He's going looking for you so he can get your soul back and all he sees is Christ. John 10, 28, Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I know what some of you are thinking. It's not God, I doubt, it's myself. It's my ability to stick with this faith. And if that's you, stop it. Just stop it. Listen to me, God never called you to have faith in yourself, but to have faith in him, amen? You didn't earn salvation by anything you did, but through faith, you won't keep salvation by anything you did, but through faith. Well, you say, Danny, I know I can't be snatched out of Christ's hand, but what if I jump out? And the Bible does indicate there may be times. If you're truly saved, there may be times when you're faithless and and you might even want to jump out. There might be some backsliding times. And some of you may be struggling with that right now. But if you're really born again, he'll still be holding on to you on jumping days. And you will embrace him again. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So for those newer to their Bible, go to your right. From Colossians, it's a few books over. A lot of people think that when Paul includes what I'm about to read to you in 2 Timothy, he was actually including something that had uh, been sung by the early church, an early church hymn, even older than the one we sang from Prudentius. And he included it in the word as the teaching that God wanted people to hear. Of his own ministry in verse 10, he says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And of God's chosen ones, those who have repented, believed, and been born again, verse 11 says, This saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Verse 12, If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So don't deny him. He's your only hope for salvation. But look at verse 13, the word of grace. If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Judas and Peter both had a denial of Christ. But you can tell in their reactions after the denial which one really knew the Lord and which one didn't. When Judas denied the Lord... He didn't go to where his brothers and sisters in Christ were gathered. He ran away from them. And he never went back to Christ. He ran away from Christ as well. And the Bible calls him the son of perdition. And when somebody starts and doesn't continue, doesn't go all the way through, the Bible describes that as a person who's never truly been born again. And that was Judas. And if you're here and you're struggling, and you may be watching online, you haven't been back to church in months and years even, You're either a Judas or you're a Peter. Judas did not go back to where his fellow believers were gathered, and he did not go back to the Lord. Peter showed in his reaction that he really was the Lord's. 
Because the next scene after him denying Christ is him being with his fellow disciples there in the upper room. And I would have loved to have been there as they comforted him. It's okay, Peter. We, we were uncertain too. We, we weren't there at the cross faithfully with Jesus, you know. Uh, and, and he was with them waiting for what comes next. He, he had turned back to the body even before he could see Christ again. And sometimes that's what we have to do. You know this is the truth. You know Jesus is real, but, but you don't have a, a, a growing personal relationship with him right now. He seems distant to you. It seems like heaven's silent when you pray. You need to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ and have them help you even while you're still figuring it all out. Peter did that. And as soon as he could, he ran. He even swam to the Lord, right? He ran back to the church. He ran back to the Lord. And God will keep bringing you back if you're really his. To your brothers and sisters in Christ, but more to Christ himself. If we're faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Why is it about him rather than you? Because he made a promise to himself. When a humble sinner says, I need you. I need you, Jesus. He says, I'll take up residence in your heart. When a backslidden saint says, God, I've blown it and I had not only messed up any kind of reward and previous behavior, but I just feel so far from you. He says, well, if you're humbling yourself, if you're confessing and forsaking your sin, here I am. I never left. I've been right here waiting for you. Hallelujah. He treats us like the prodigal father did, the prodigal son. Welcome home, son. Welcome home. Stop living by Satan's gaslighting and get on to truth living. And what's the truth? That that past death, burial, and resurrection with Christ has given you a guaranteed positional status as a saint of heaven. But that's the past. Next we see in verse 4, the believer's future is physically being with Jesus in glory. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Say that with me. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What would your 2023 year be like if that verse permeated every aspect of your being for this entire year? Yeah, this is a tough day. Oh, I hate hearing this news about prodigal children and about uh, this person and that person. But when Christ, who is my life, appears, I'm going to appear with him in glory. Hidden from Satan now. Satan can't find you, but God knows where you are. You've got your reserved place in glory, and when Christ appears, you'll be with him. And if somebody you know that loves the Lord is already with Christ, when that rapture moment happens, they'll come first. You'll join them in the air. And if you die, you'll be up there, and the ones living will come this way. When Christ appears, you will be with him. But is Christ your life? Sometimes we go on to that part about getting to go to heaven and we forget. Paul says that Christ is his life. Christ is those Colossian believers' life. Robbie Von Eime, is Christ your life? Margaret Elliott, is Christ your life? If I had time, I'd go to each and every one of you and ask that, and some would say yes in the nervousness of the moment, but it's not really true. Your entire faith has just been, this is hell insurance, so I don't go to hell when I die. 
but I am my life. I am my life. Paul said, Christ is my life. And all around the room, those of you who love him and you want that love to even grow this year, it wants to be one of your first priorities is to develop a sense of that intimacy. And I was talking to somebody this past week and how does that sense of love for Christ grows? Well, it starts in a real humbling of yourself with him and just taking the time as you process scripture to stop and say, Jesus, I love you. I can't see you, but I know you're real and I love you. Thank you for saving my soul. Lord, you know, as my faith was growing, I said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now I say, Lord, I love you, but help my love for you to grow. And after you read a little scripture and pray it back to the Lord some there and express gratitude to him, just let some silence happen in your devotional time. In fact, bow your heads now. We've got a little bit more in the message, but bow your head now. And if you can say it, and it's true, just tell Jesus, Jesus, you are my life. You really are everything to me. And if you can't say that, say, Jesus, I want it to be true. I do believe I've turned to you for salvation, but I am a stranger to your presence and a sense of love for you in my life. May this be the year of cultivating that in my life. Lord, I do love you. Help my love to grow. Help it to grow this year. Father, I pray for everybody that hears this, that this would be a year of putting away idols, people ending the affairs they've been having on Jesus and falling head over heels in love with him again or for the first time. I pray that at the end of this year, everybody listening now would be able to say, Christ is my life. Christ is my life. And when he appears, I know I'm going to be with him in glory, with you in glory. So before we return to this preaching time, take a moment to personalize that to the Lord. Don't say, he is my life. Say, Jesus, you are my life. In his name we pray, amen. Peter commended his readers for having that kind of love for Jesus. Turn some more to 1 Peter chapter 1. So you got to keep, got to keep going to the right. <laughs> Get to the general epistles that are the non-Pauline authors, non-Paul authors. And uh, 1 Peter, you know, Peter had been restored by the Lord. He was so in love with Jesus. But what impressed him was all the people that he led to Jesus who had never gotten to see Jesus physically, who had never met him personally, but who loved him. And so listen to how he says some of the same things Paul says, but directly to those saints there that he was riding along the Black Sea. Just gonna read verses three through nine. Peter writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ when Christ comes. 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. Peter says, I got to see Jesus and I love him. I'm so impressed that you've not seen Jesus, but you love him. He's your best friend and you haven't seen him physically yet. And my heart is homesick like that for Jesus because I can say that. I haven't seen him, but love him. He's my best friend, closer than even my relationship with my wife. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isn't that wonderful? When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will be with him in glory. Well, that leads us to the present truth. So we had the past, we had the future, but in verses one and two, we get back to the believer's present. It is truth living, not believe in Satan's gaslighting. It's truth living, increasingly matching our present walk with Christ up to our timeless position in Christ. Hey, is it the children's game concentration where you turn over things and you get pictures? Is that the one? And then you go back to it and you match one with another. Is that the game concentration? Am I right? Memory. Memory, concentration. So you've done that, right? Where you, you, and, and, and you get so excited because you're like, oh, here's a whale, and here's a whale. I played the Jonah version from the uh, VeggieTales. I, oh, I got two whales. I got a match. For the rest of your life, if you're a believer, you're matching up the different aspects of your life with what Jesus wants. I've got a match with my purity now. I've got a match with my giving now. I've got a match with using my gifts now. I've got a match with not forsaking the assembling of the saints now. And, and, and there's joy in that. There's joy in that as you're seeking the things of God. The believer's present is truth living, increasingly matching our present walk with Christ up to that timeless position we have. He says, since you've been raised up with Christ, seek the things where Christ is and set your minds on things where Christ is. You know how to seek. You're supposed to seek the things that are of Christ. You know how to set your mind. You got a mindset. Set your mind on Christ. To do that, there are sinful practices we're going to need to deal with and put away and instead Uh, We're going to put off the sinful practices and put on the godly practices. And guess what? That's what the rest of the book of Colossians is about. So we're going to go into those things as we go along. It starts with the commitment to say no to Satan's gaslighting and yes to Jesus' truth living. I think of some young soccer players around the world. Uh, I don't know if you know about this or not, but soccer players, the big ones in Europe, they'll uh, see potential in a 10-year-old in Africa or Asia or Americas and they will sign them up. <laughs> they'll sign a, they're so head and shoulders over, they'll sign them up. And uh, they're considered on the club's payroll at that point. They get to wear the gear. Uh, they get the best training opportunities where they currently live, and they take advantage of that. But they have to start immediately acting like one day they're going to be a Manchester United player. And they want to. They evaluate their present choices by their future desires, and they act accordingly. They blow it sometimes along the way and clubs have to help them make good and different choices than they used to because after all, they're a Manchester United player now. When they get a little older, they're brought to the club's facilities and and they get trained there. They play with the C team and then they go up to the B team and finally the day comes where they get to walk onto the Old Trafford pitch and play for Manchester United. They still have to make good choices and sometimes they get in the paper for the wrong reasons, embarrassing the club, but the club is helping them all along that development because the club's invested in them and wants to put it out there. For some players, they get cut and 
pushed away from the club or sold to another club, Jesus will never sell you back to Satan. He'll never cut you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. But you want to be matching up all along the way what's going to be true forever of you and have that more and more be true in your life now. Every year I start the year by reading Pilgrim's Progress. I read chapter one this morning. And I just love how Pilgrim, he'll make two steps forward and then one step back. And then he's got one or two steps forward and three steps back. And it's just like the lives that we live. Sometimes we're in the slough of despond. Sometimes we go through Vanity Fair and we don't respond too well to the temptations around us. Sometimes we are in the doubting castle and the giant named despair is coming after us. But what got Christian out of that is remembering that at salvation he was given a key that would fit any lock, the promises of God. And God has an answer to every temptation you face. And with his presence and with the help from your brothers and sisters in Christ, you can increasingly grow and we're all going to make it to heaven. All that he died for and all that receive him. His blood is sufficient to save everyone who's ever lived, but his blood is efficient only for those who repent and believe. And once he starts that process in you, you place your faith in him, you're born again. And he can, Satan can't have your soul anymore. But as we wind this up, every time we as believers give in to sinful choices in response to the devil's gaslighting lies, you know who we cheat? We cheat ourselves. We cheat ourselves out of the abundant life that Jesus wants to experience, not just in the future, but in the present, the eternal now. I'm not a big fan of Joel Osteen, but I think I know what he was trying to do when he wrote that book, Your Best Life Now. I I don't like his prosperity gospel. I don't like him minimizing who Jesus is and the work of Christ on the cross. But I think what he was trying to say is a lot of professing Christians, (laughs) they just walk around just completely defeated and they always talking about what's going to be true one day but you don't see a whole lot of that now and I just believe some of the most victorious Christians right now should be committed Bible believing born again believers like you and me it's not all for later on because guess what if I read this text right eternal life up there has already started now it's already started now And so today should be among the best days you experience in eternity. And this year should be, even though you still have all those crushing things to face, all those sinful temptations to face, all those prodigal children we want to come home, all those different things. But God's peace and his joy are already in you, and they're just down payments. Yes, the best truly is yet to come. So Osteen is wrong. It's not now. It is later. But later has begun is what I'm saying. And what Jesus is saying to you through this text. You've already died with Christ. You were crucified with him. You've been buried with him. You've been raised. You're as good as there in your mind. So have your beliefs and your words and your actions show that in 2023 as you grow in this relationship with him. Won't you bow your heads? Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about The Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts, as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for
for another edition of Tabernacle Today.